I want to decide whether I want to work with this client. I don't want to be the one chasing after the client, trying to get them to work with me, right? It has to be a mutual thing. They should know and we should work out in these early talks. Are we a good fit for each other based on things like our goals, our values, what we want to accomplish, what they are trying to do and whether my services can match up with what they're trying to do. Welcome to the Live, Work, Travel podcast. I'm your host, Michonne Thomas, a former middle school teacher who quit at 30 to become a six-figure freelancer and digital nomad instead. You're in the right place if you're ready to learn how freelancing can help you to work from anywhere, make great money, and live a life that you design. I'm sharing everything I've learned to get to where I am today in order to support you on your journey, because this lifestyle is simply too good not to share. Hey there, in today's episode, I am talking about freelancing and dating and the similarities between them. So I thought it'd be fun to go through some of the things that really matter when you are dating someone and in in a relationship with someone and the things that matter when you are working with clients. And a lot of the times, many of those things overlap. So in no specific order, kind of just following a loose outline, we will get into some of those and compare the two. So starting with number one, I am extremely picky. And this is true in both dating and in the freelancing world with my clients. So When it comes to dating, I will joke about this with my friends, but not joke about it. I'm dead serious. I find it hilarious. Get together with my girlfriends and even guys sometimes sit around and talk. And everyone has these horrible dating stories, right? These are just awful dates that they suffered through. And knock on wood, I have never had a shitty, insufferable date. (laughs) Yeah, there's people that obviously hit it off, had more chemistry and others that were a little bit like, okay, yep. It's been five minutes and we're not going to be a good fit. But even with those, it was like there were things to talk about, things to chat about. Like I saw it as spending an hour getting to know someone over coffee. Cool, whatever. Hope I was a bright spot in your day and learned something from you, learned something from me. All right, we go on and we never see each other again. But I've not had those awful, just like awful, awful date stories. And when I thought about why, I'm extremely picky, like ridiculous ridiculously picky. And I don't apologize for it. Works for me. And I'd rather be the way that I am. That's just it. And I know that I'm extremely picky because I will swipe a thousand times left on a dating app. For those of you who are on dating apps, good on you. <laughs> like when I talk to my friends who've been married for a while or people who just have been in a long-term relationship and don't really know how the apps work, all my single friends were just like, well, God, lucky you. Like you don't know. It's a zoo out there. It is a zoo out there. But at the same time, there are diamonds in the rough, right? As well. And I always say to myself when I get discouraged, I'm like, okay, I'm on a dating app. And I'm pretty cool, pretty normal. I am self-aware. I have issues. I know that. I have baggage. I know that, but I'm working on it. There are quote unquote regular people out there on the apps. We can just be hidden. So I'm very picky. I'll swipe a thousand times no if it means that I find one person that is a yes. And yeah, I'm very lazy in the sense like I don't want to get all dressed up and out and go out for a drink if I'm not feeling it. So I wait for a person and an encounter and interaction, messages that are positive, that kind of thing that makes me want to go. By the time I am getting ready to go out on a date, I am very much looking forward to it because this is a person who meets my standard for someone I will get out of my pajamas and get showered and dressed and go out with. So the same kind of happens with choosing who to work with on a client basis and freelancing. I am very picky about who I work with 
And by the time we are moving toward the stage of working together, I am either very excited about the possibility or we're not a good fit, period. And all of that happens with the buildup. It happens with the kind of the pre-work ahead of time on all the nuanced things, evaluating this person's messaging and what they're doing and the values that they have, kind of what they have shown you in the very, very early stages. With dating apps, it's funny because over the years, at different phases of my life, and with different friends, some of my friends have told me straight up, you're too picky. And they'll be like, let me see the app. And they'll start swiping for me. And it's funny because like, we'll sit there side to side and they've got my phone. And they're like, what about this guy? What about this guy? What about this guy? You know, and they, they would swipe some of my friends, they would swipe on this person. But I'm like, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because sometimes I know what I want. And what I want is not the same as for my friend sitting next to me. We like two different things. And there are certain ways that people present themselves on dating apps where they would swipe anyway and I wouldn't. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just we're looking for wildly different things. Like as an example, just for me, a uh, guy, super flashy, standing in front of super flashy sports car, like very bling bling and all of his photos, like everything is shiny, fancy, swanky, just showing off. I'm never going to swipe on that because that impression is not one that resonates with me and what I'm looking for. And people will come in and say, oh, but you can't judge a book by its cover. You should give people a chance. I believe you should take people at what they are telling you. And if all six pictures of a guy on a dating app are fancy watch, fancy car, fancy house. Ooh, look at me standing next to XYZ celebrity. Like he's showing me a lot of flash and we're not going to be compatible because I like to spend an extraordinary amount of time in my house, in my pajamas, hair a mess, eating popcorn in bed, watching a movie. I'm not about the flashy life. So maybe a great person. Hope he's a good fit for someone else. But that's not what I would swipe on because I'm just not into the same things. So I do the same with clients. If clients business is something that I am 100% not interested in or don't believe in or don't value. For example, I'd have a very hard time working for a client who was like their business was some sort of app, like a social media app or something. I don't value social media. I don't believe in spending a lot of time on it. I don't love it. It would probably wouldn't light me up to work for that kind of client. So that is something that I would turn down. If they were working in some kind of business that was environmentally harmful or that worked, let's say, in the pharmaceutical industry, just very not good for people in a sense of the overly prescribed pharmaceuticals and things like that. I'm not saying that all drugs are bad or anything like that. It would be difficult for me to work in a setup like that. Like I just recently watched a movie on Netflix. I'm going to mess it up. I think it was called Pain Hustlers or something like that. I don't know. It was about the pharmaceutical industry and selling drugs to people and the overprescribing that hap happens in that world and that kind of thing. And like it just, I felt so awful just watching the movie the whole time. I would not be able to exist in a field like that. So that's what I mean by just being picky, just being very picky upfront about who you begin a relationship with, whether it be a date or a freelance client. So number two goes along very similar to the first one, but first impressions matter. First impressions matter on whether you're dating someone or whether you are beginning work with a client. On the client side, onboarding. Client onboarding is so important. And to me, this starts from the minute you first start messaging that client and all the way through to where you're actually kicking off with them. So the types of messages that you send is your very first message. Is it like timid and 
kind of, please pick me, please work with me, please, you know, like, is it just coming from this place of neediness or is it coming from this place of strength of, I am a business owner, I offer service, you need that service, let's work together, right? Like there's just a whole lot that you should consider in your first messages. Like every touch point counts. The first message, the first phone call, subsequent messages back and forth. Like you are setting up how this entire relationship is going to go. And that is done from the very first get-go. You also want to be thinking about your how you are visible in the world. Whether you have a website or not, because you don't have to, to be a freelancer. Whether you have an Instagram or not, because you don't have to have these things. But if you have a public presence on the internet, you want to be aware of how that looks. So if the client looks you up, are they going to go to your Instagram and see what you want them to see? Or is it time to clean up that feed, right? Is it time to present yourself in a different way? And you don't necessarily have to. I don't hide my my socials from clients. Clients can look me up and they can see what I am and how I am. And that is what I want to project to the world. If they don't like it, then we're probably not a good fit. So it is, it's that balance. Don't change who you are completely for somebody, but be aware of the impression that you are putting out there. For me, it's a good indicator. It's a good testing ground almost. Like if clients see me and resonate with my messaging on Instagram and the things that I'm putting out there in the world, then cool. It's like magnets. We match up. If not, no worries. And not everyone will match and that's totally okay. So same thing with dating, with dating profile on the apps is very, very true to me. There's pictures of me traveling. I was actually looking at it recently. I don't like to put other people in my dating app pictures because like some people do that. They have like friends and family and stuff up on their pictures and you're like, does your family know that they're like up on Tinder? And so some people put little smiley face emojis over other people's faces or whatever and that kind of thing. But I was looking at my profile the other day and I realized like all my pictures are just me and I'm like, I look like half no friends. (laughs) So yeah, I probably need to download a couple of group pictures with some friends and like put little smiley face emojis over their faces just to show that I do have a life and have some friends and everything. But my pictures are very indicative of me. They're pictures of me traveling. They're pictures of me out because that is most of my life. I'm either out traveling or hanging out with friends or at home in my PJs. So that's obviously pretty boring. So my pictures are indicative of me. And then my bio is indicative of me as well. Talks a little bit about what's upcoming for me and my work and that I enjoy traveling and that I'm a nomad and things like that. But where the impressions really happen is the messaging that happens. And I can tell from the first messages that a guy sends me whether or not I'm interested in going out or not. And this comes beyond the profile, right? Obviously, I've been picky. I've swiped no a thousand times. I've got to 1001 and it's a yes. Just because of swiped yes, there's still room to absolutely kill it. It could be killed dead instantly with a few messages. There's the people who just message, hey, and then nothing else. There are the people that say, where are you from? When it's like, that is front and center in my profile. So I know you didn't read my profile. So we're pretty much done here. There are people who ruin it with like, wow, you're hot. And it's like, really? Like, that's just weird. And here's a little just random side note for people. <laughs> like, I have never had a successful date. Like I've never gone out. Like one of the guys that I've been interested in going out with on a first date has never, ever, ever referenced you're so hot in his messages. That's just creepy. It's creepy and weird. And anyway, I digress. From the first messages in dating, just like with clients, be aware of your impressions. Messaging you're so hot right away is just 
icky and weird and it it takes the conversation to a place I don't want to go on message one or two or three or four or five. Messaging, oh, hey, and referencing something in the profile and you saying really interesting and cool. Tell me a little bit more about this. Tell me a little bit more about that. Something that was referenced in the profile. Gives the other person the idea that you're interested in them, which you should be if you're interested in actually going out on a date with them, right? So the first messages, the messages that I receive, if there's ambiguity, if there's just like short one word or hey, and then like, tell me about this. Like if the person can't carry a conversation from the get-go immediately, they shouldn't be on the app, right? They don't have time or they don't have the energy or they don't have whatever. A trend, and this is the thing too, that is important to notice in dating and in with clients, is notice the trend of what works and then look for more of that. So for me, in dating anyone, people that I've actually made it out to first dates with are people who can carry a conversation by text. And I hate texting, but that is important. They will write more than a few words at a time. They'll send an actual, I don't know, couple of sentences, and then they'll reply with thoughtful things about this, whatever sentences I said in return. And we'll talk about each other's profile and interests and things like, like we'll have read each other's profile and then make inferences and conversation and, and chat about it. And it's this constant thing of a couple of messages from them, a couple of messages from me, a couple of messages from them, a couple of messages from me. And it's very different from unsuccessful people who I really wrapped up the conversation pretty quickly with, with just like, hey, and then I send a few things and then they send one thing back and then I send a few things and they send one thing back and it ends with me going, hey, I don't think we're a good fit based on our communication styles. Wish you the best in life sort of thing, right? It's very quick and easy for me to tell whether something is going to work out or not based on the first impressions from the profile, from the messages. Same with clients. Number three, boundaries. Boundaries. These are something that happens dating and clients. So boundaries. I have put a lot of time and effort over the years into defining my boundaries and what is and is not acceptable to me when it comes to dating. So things like the level of communication in the beginning, the amount of effort that is put forth with trying to arrange a first date, things that I will not stand for, just ghosting. Ghost me once and it is the only time because that is a boundary that I have. Crappy communication, that is a boundary that I have. Asking me a question right off that is answered in my profile. Again, profiles are like 100 words. I don't know. It's not much. If you've not taken the time to read my profile, then we're not a good fit, really. So certain things like that. And then also just once we've been on the date, obviously there's a whole host of other things. Is this person kind? Are they genuine? Do they treat other people with respect? Do they do what they say they will do? As in, I'll call you tomorrow and then they call three days. It's just, there are boundaries that are clearly defined and work that I've done to clarify what I want from someone and are they meeting that expectation. And the same goes with clients. I am the gatekeeper of whether we move forward or whether we don't. I operate from a place of, I want this to be a long-term successful working relationship and I'm not going to do anything that goes against my intuition, makes me just feel a little like, "Mm, this might not be the right fit. I am more of like gatekeeping in terms of, I want to decide whether I want to work with this client. I don't want to be the one chasing after the client, trying to get them to work with me, right? It has to be a mutual thing. They should know, and we should work out in these early talks, 
Are we a good fit for each other based on things like our goals, our values, what we want to accomplish, what they are trying to do and whether my services can match up with what they're trying to do? I am a business owner and they're a business owner and we have to operate within certain boundaries. They can't expect to treat me like an employee because I'm not their employee. I'm my own business and I have multiple clients and I decide who I will and won't take on. Obviously, there are areas that can be discussed. For example, a client saying, oh, I would like you to sign an NDA that you're not going to work with XYZ, these three main competitors of mine, right? So my boundary of I don't let the client tell me how I work and what I do is obviously one that includes the rational decision to, of course, I'm willing to sign an NDA if it relates directly to the competitors, right? So boundaries don't mean 100% firm, never budging on this, never moving on this. It's just, I have a place that I start from and everyone should as a freelancer in terms of these are my boundaries on how I run my business. And I'm not going to accept a client who makes me lower those boundaries who pushes too hard and makes me lose who I am in order to work with them. So that was number three, boundaries. Number four, communication is so important. So important. Clear and honest communication. I mean, we're talking dating and freelancing. This really is like just life. It's so important in every aspect of life. And the older I get, the more I wish that we had been taught some of the stuff younger. I mean, and some people have been good on you. <laughs> I definitely didn't understand how important communication was. In fact, when I think about relationships, some of the earliest kind of advice I got from grownups, they would always talk about how like a relationship was hard work hard work, hard work, hard work. And they never said what that hard work was. <laughs> but if you kind of tried to pry a little bit more out, they might say something like, oh, it, it takes communication, it takes communication. Well, most of us can open our mouth and words come out. So we can communicate all day long. But what is so important about that? Well, and it's like that clear and honest and open communication, being very clear about expectations, about concerns, about resolving misunderstandings. Both of these are important in dating and in freelancing. So dating first, I'm a big stickler about clear and honest communication. In fact, every year I get a bit older and a bit wiser and a bit more just really a stickler, just really on point with it to the point where it can make some people uncomfortable because they're not used to expressing themselves so clearly, even in a way. I had a situation once where someone said to me, yeah, so this situation happened and I'm afraid that complicates things a bit. Sorry about that. And what was unexpressed there was the whole plan has changed and we are no longer on for this weekend, right? But all that was actually said was something about that complicates things. And so we had a conversation where I said, I don't need polite and I don't need very proper language. I'm the kind of person where I would prefer you just spell it out and say, instead of going complications, say, say what happened, say what happened, like actually put it out there. So I'm a person who expresses what I need and what I need usually is extreme clarity. And I need bluntness to a point where other people might find it rude, but I don't because it's just stating the facts. Now, you can't do this with everybody and you can't assume that everybody will communicate on your level and in your way that you need. But one of the things I try to do is be upfront about what I prefer. That way the other person knows 
and they can choose to express themselves more in the way that I need because they're doing it as a kindness, as an understanding of what I prefer. They don't have to, but what I do require then is for them to explain back to me, okay, how do you communicate so that I can understand it? So that we're not just cross-talking on different levels, right? I'm speaking Spanish, they're speaking English, and we're just bumping into an issue. If I understand the way that they communicate and they understand the way that I communicate, we can solve a lot of issues because we're now not just running around in the dark, not understanding what the other person means. And we can start to inch closer to a sort of our own communication that we develop together, which is unique to us and addresses our different communication styles, but we're working towards some kind of the middle, a middle communication style that's unique to us. And this goes for how we talk to everyone. The way I talk to my parents is different from the way I talk to my friends. The way that I talk to my friends that I've met in the past year is different to the way that I talk to my friend that I've known for 39 years. We have all these different communication styles with all of the people in our life. It's very important for us to continually work with getting clearer on what we need from other people in terms of communication and understanding their communication styles so that we can match and adapt to what they need as well. One of the things I've noticed as I've gotten older is that it's really hard for me to watch like sitcoms and stuff because they're just so stupid, (laughs) really. Like everything in them, a lot of the times could be cleared up with clear communication. And that's not funny and that's not dramatic and it's not all these things. It's just most of the things that go wrong in a lot of movies or shows is because people don't talk to each other. And then when they do talk to each other, they don't say the things that matter. They dance around the issues and they skirt around saying things that aren't polite and aren't acceptable or whatever because they don't want to hurt other people's feelings. And it just leads into like all this mess and all this clusterfuck, basically, of, of all sorts of things that then get sorted out over the next six episodes or whatever. When in reality, it's like if you two just sat down in a room and looked each other in the eyes and had some clear conversation, all of this, it wouldn't even matter. So I'm a big advocate for clear communication. That does not mean bursting in and just saying things willy-nilly that are hurtful and mean or things like that. But it does mean knowing yourself and what you need and how you communicate and then accepting how the other person does as well and working towards resolution of things. With clients, for me, this starts again in the beginning with those very first messages that you're sending back and forth with clients. You want to be clear. You want to be concise. You want to be straightforward. You want to, whenever you can, boil things down into clear, actionable statements. Instead of saying vague things, hone it to something that is clearer. And then even better, if you can go ahead and put timestamps around it, like, yes, we can do X, Y, Z for you. Looking at the calendar, it's not on the cards for December because that is a very busy month. With looking at your plans that you have for the new year, January is going to be very busy with this, this, and this. How do you feel about us starting this February 1st? We can wrap this by February 28th. If we get X from you by the 15th and X from you by the 20th. Clear, really clear. Also, it's worth noting that when you're communicating with clients, a lot of times you want things to be in writing. Don't just leave things in people's heads. Don't just leave things talked about in a meeting, but then never actually following it up with action steps. You want to get things out, get things down and make sure that there's a record of it so that you have that to refer back to in the future. Moving right along. The next thing. So number five, taking things slow. Dating, relationships, and clients. So with dating and relationships, I mean, I think this is pretty obvious. Rushing things is 
just pretty much never a good idea. When you're caught up in the beginning of dating, you don't know enough about the person yet. You don't know how they handle themselves in all sorts of different situations. And sometimes if things are too fast and there's too much going on in the beginning, it can be like, it can be a really big sign of something wrong. So love bombing and too much, like talk about the future right away and all these things that go into attachment styles, which I won't get into a ton, but I can't recommend the book Attached enough as a quick side note, just for anyone who's dating, anyone who's in a relationship, anyone who wants to know more about themselves and their attachment style, the book Attached is fantastic. Back to our regular programming, however, rushing into stuff too fast at the beginning is just not good. I heard someone say once, I don't remember who, you need to go through all the seasons with someone before you decide to commit to them long-term. And by that meaning the four seasons in a year, spring, summer, winter, fall. And the idea was saying, okay, you need at least a year, but also the idea being you need to see how they handle different things, not just the seasons changing winter, fall, all that, but like you need to see how they handle different things. Sure, you get together and everything's all good right now, but what happens when they lose a job, when they lose someone close to them, when they get a new job and start working a totally different set of hours and all that? What happens when they decide they want to change drastically something that they were doing when you met them? And how do you guys work through that together? How do you deal with all sorts of stuff that life brings, right? You need to move through time with them for going all in for a long-term commitment. With clients, okay, you don't need to take (laughs) that long, but you do need to start off slow. And it depends on the type of work that you do. Obviously, if you do, let's just say a brand design and makeover type thing for their entire brand, logos, colors, all their everything, website overhaul, let's say you're doing that, that is a big project. And yeah, you're going to have to do some serious work at the beginning to identify and make sure that you two are the right fit for each other. If the work you do is not necessarily, okay, you're all in for this big project, it doesn't hurt to take on smaller things with clients before getting into a big ongoing relationship. My original operations management clients, when we started out, I did smaller stuff for them before it turned into the big, all right, kind of here's the keys to my business. I want you to run it for me. There were a few small things that we did together and that helped solidify, okay, we work well together. We are heading towards the same things. We want the same things for your business. I align with your goals and values and ambitions. I like working with you. We have a good mutual respect for each other. This is a good fit. So whenever you have the opportunity, take a small project from a client, absolutely crush it, do your best work, do amazing work, and then use that to build on the working relationship. Take things that you've noticed from that first project and from other things that they're trying to do in their business and from your getting to know them to then suggest, okay, I'd also notice that this is something that you're working on. That's something that you would like to do. How about we work on that next? How about we do this next? How about we do this? How about we, you know, you stepping stone up to working with them for the long term. And one of the things that you'll notice in that is Number six, which is compatibility. Compatibility matters. It matters so much. With dating, it's obvious, right? You need to be compatible on some levels, not on 100% of the things, because it is very hard to find other people who would be the exact same as you. And honestly, that could be boring. I mean, that could be just odd if your partner was 100% exactly like you. But you need to have compatibility on the important things. And in dating, a lot of times values and where you're headed in life. If you are 
like me and want to work remotely and travel the world. And that is a huge part of who I am and my goals for the next few years. And it shapes what I'm doing and what I wish to do in the future. And I can meet somebody absolutely amazing who wants to live in, I don't know, or is already living in, I don't know, just somewhere very cold, very, very cold, because I don't like the cold, but let's say somewhere very, very cold and They love having a nine to five and the family has had the home for generations and they live in the home now and they want to have five kids and stay living in that home. And that's it. That's their dream. We would not be compatible. We could have insane chemistry. We could have a great time together, laugh a lot, get along. We share a lot of the same things we read, yada, 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 but we're not compatible. We're not ultimately compatible. Somebody has to give up their life in order to make that work. And that's usually a recipe for disaster. With a client, it's not so much just compatibility in values and what you're looking for. There are also things like working styles. And if you can't make that match with the client, then it's not worth it. You're just going to be at each other's throats constantly struggling. You struggling to get what you need from them to make it a success, them constantly down your throat or micromanaging, constantly questioning what you do, constantly picking at you, not getting you the things on time that you need to be successful, and then them slamming you for not doing what you said. Like, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. There are clients out there who you will be compatible with, who are doing something and on a mission to build something that you feel proud to be a part of, that you feel excited to get up and go to work each day to help them grow their business. So that is an extremely important thing, making sure that the clients you find are not just a paycheck, but they are compatible to you and to your long-term goals. All right. Well, this episode is already getting a little bit longer than my usual ones. So I am going to pause it here for today and I'll resume it again next week with part two. In the meantime, if you have something to say, questions, feedback, anything, you can reach out to me on Instagram at liveworktravelig. If it's a little bit longer, you can reach me at hello at liveworktravel.com. And please sign up for my newsletter, escapehatchnews.com. You can go there and get signed up. And every week you you will receive tips, advice, information on how to live your best life, travel the world, and of course, tips for making your freelance career all that it can be. All right, I will see you back here next Monday. Take care of yourself. 